to the most wonderful time of the week. Let's just say that. It's the regular exclusive podcast with Jason Renee. And we are ready for the long weekend. If if you celebrate Christmas, then the long Christmas weekend. If you don't, then it's just a couple extra days off, which is always good too. Fuck but yeah. with this long weekend, and uh is Christmas on a Monday this year? I think it's I, I don't know. I think Christmas <laughs> is a is a Monday. Uh with it, we have an extra long weekend and so we before we get into our two very, very, very Christmas movies by the same director, uh wanted to ask you, Renee, what what movies are you gonna be watching with this long Christmas weekend? Are are you gonna be watching any Christmas movies? <laughs> yes. I feel like my favorites always tend to be like spookier Christmas stories because I feel like like growing up, I always loved and I'll probably rewatch it. I've already rewatched it this season, but I'll probably do it again this week because it's like actually getting close to Christmas is a Muppet Christmas Carol. It's oh. just a fucking banger. It's my favorite Christmas Carol. And I can't. Michael Caine is the best Scrooge ever. <laughs> and I just saw this thing online that like I feel like I've been seeing it everywhere now. And it's like um, talking about why that adaptation of the Muppets like is really good because Michael Caine treats all the Muppets like they're regular people. He doesn't act like he's, you know, acting with Muppets. But then in Muppets Treasure Island, Tim Curry's in it, but he acts like a Muppet. And so that's why it works. And I'm like, <laughs> those are the two best fucking Muppet human movies, I think. So uh, this one's a classic for me. Tim Curry can act like anything and pull it he off. Can, <laughs> but he totally does. After I like heard that, I was like, yeah, you're right. He is like one of the Muppets in that movie. <laughs> But I just love it because Michael Caine takes it so seriously and it's just delightful. And I think when I was younger, it was like a little spookier. I just feel like A Christmas Carol has always kind of been a scary story for yeah, Christmas. It's got ghosts, you know, Yeah, it's, it's like sketchy shit. It's like that that Jim Carrey one that they did. Yeah. There's some creepy ass shit in that. <laughs> Dude, that thing is fucking horrifying. I watched <laughs> that again and I was like, Jesus Christ, I really... I think I'll also I I I watched that one, but I don't know if I'll rewatch it again. But I would say just to go back to Jim Carrey, I will also be rewatching The Grinch because oh, yeah. the older I get, the more I just am on the Grinch's side. Fuck the Who's <laughs> down in Whoville, man. He just wants some fucking peace and quiet. Okay. That that has been I think fifty percent of my of my memes that I yeah, get is just people pointing out as they get older. You know. The Grinch was right. <laughs> like yeah. Dinner with me, I can't cancel that again. <laughs> it's so great. Plus, Jim Carrey, that's like the Christmas movie I prefer to remember him in. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that's my favorite um, Christmas movie. Like, overall, is How the Grinch Stole Christmas. It's just hilarious through and through. Uh, this year, with the long weekend, I mean, we've watched a lot of great Christmas movies already. Yeah, uh, I want to I want to go back and rewatch a couple movies that I really liked when I was younger. See if they mm -hmm. hold up. So, yeah. uh, like, what? I mean, like one of my favorites is Jingle All the Way. And that's oh. just I love that because it's a bad movie. And it's it's just honestly, great. <laughs> I love that movie. And I just watched it a few years ago and I thought it held up great. It was very fun. 
I mean, it's All a right. little bit ridiculous at the end because you're like, he really doesn't know that's his fucking dad. Yeah. But it's like, because like Arnold's just a very specific person. Yeah. Anyways, once you get past that, it's like, it doesn't matter. It's an amazing movie. Yeah. And then um, I want to revisit Jack Frost because oh, I really liked Jack Frost. That movie, and we should specify because there's two movies called Jack Frost that came out the same year. Yeah. And one of them is Michael Keaton, who's, you know, the dad who dies and then his spirit comes back. That's as the one I'm talking about. Snowman. Yeah. <laughs> Not There's the a horror, horror movie with a possessed <laughs> snowman called Jack Frost. I'm just clarifying. <laughs> I've never heard anything about that movie except for when people clarify. I'm talking about the Michael Keaton <laughs> one. So I think we can all say that one's really great. It's so emotional, though. I don't know if I can handle it again. That's why I want to go back and rewatch it, because I know for sure I am way more emotionally available now than I yeah. was when I was a kid. So and I cry during movies now. And so I might cry during that. And it's so I, I got to revisit it. The last one. Last one is uh, it's a movie that's not. So um, I watched it more recently than the others, but I want to show it to the wife. We talked about it last year, I'm sure. The night before. Oh, yeah. I, th I think she will love that. <laughs> oh, God. The night before is so much fun. I need yeah. to read. That's another one. I'll be. I love to watch all those ones. I like the really funny comedy movies. I don't I. I don't want to watch like any of the serious Christmas movies. Mm -hmm. I don't care as much about those, but like Four Christmases is another one that's really, really fun. Oh, yeah. I the need to revisit that. And yeah. It's hilarious. The scene when they play like taboo is like one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Um, that... But that whole movie is actually really great. And it's like got a little heart, but it's not too sappy. You know, it's really yeah. it's more of a comedy. And, and it's also a great premise for a movie. Like having to Divorced jump parents. between families oh, all great. in one day. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it's such a fucking shit show. I love it. Um, but I think the last one I would like to add to this list that is just always going to be a rewatchable, even if it's not Christmas, is Krampus. Oh, yeah. You showed that to me last year. That's a must watch. That I, That's on the list. I want to do a double feature of that with National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation because it almost feels like a spiritual sequel or like a re <laughs> like like you could almost like it's like they re were like, let's remake National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and all the chaotic family shit that happens. But then we're going to add these fucking it's like they were like going to add the concept of gremlins into it. And that's basically what Krampus is, right? Oh, that sounds uh, I think I could get up over that. I think that'd be fun. I would be all about it. I mean, that's literally what I feel like. I think if they're going to go together really well, like it'll be an extension of National Lampoon's just because like they're just both hilarious. <laughs> and then you get creatures in there. You can't beat it. Very true. Well, uh, yeah, let's let's get on to our main event. Talking about these two movies that are totally different uh, and directed by the same guy, I think, within the same decade. Maybe maybe it's close to a decade. About 10 years apart, but. And I was going to say, and if you've never seen uh, Black Christmas or A Christmas Tale, you should still listen to this because these movies are not really movies that have spoilers. So if you're like, hey, I have been curious of Black Christmas, but I don't know. I bet we can sell you on it. <laughs> sure. But also go watch it. You fucking yeah, lazy you should. Shit. <laughs> also, it's not a Christmas tale. I just want to say it's a Christmas story, but that's OK. Yes. 
<laughs> just to clarify for anyone who's like, I can't fucking find this movie, a Christmas sale. <laughs> All right. Anyways, there's a lot what? of Christmas movies. Let's get into Black Christmas. My mother's taking a place up at Mont Holly's. Anyone else want to come? Yeah. Sounds like fun. Great. How about you, Claire? Uh, no thanks, Barb. I've made some other plans. Listen, you pervert, why don't you go over to Lamb of Kai? They could use a little of this. All right, let's talk about Black Christmas, the OG from 1974. Renee, this is like one of your favorites. This is my first time seeing it. Yeah, I watched it for the first time, I think, only like within the last year or two. So it's like I I had never seen it because I think I just like heard the concept of like a killer stalking girls at a sorority house. And I just didn't think that it sounded very exciting. But you know what I mean? It just kind of doesn't have the great hook in the premise that you're like, oh, I better watch. To your credit, uh, the IMDb description of this movie is maybe one of the shortest I've ever seen. It's Mm -hmm. during their Christmas break, a group of sorority girls are stalked by a stranger. Yeah, literally. And I mean, that's basically (laughs) it. There's a lot of other stuff going on, but it doesn't like have that crazy hook to make you go like, I mean, I've always heard about it and stuff, but I don't think I had even seen the remake. So I think I just, I watched the first one and the OG and I was like, you know, I like Halloween, but I don't think it's scary. The first time I watched The Exorcist, I thought it was a comedy because I had only watched Beetlejuice and he had that line <laughs> about like, I've watched, I've seen The Exorcist about 167 <laughs> times and it keeps getting funnier, you know? And it's like, so I always thought it was supposed to be a comedy. So I laughed and I never, I, you know, Jaws, I think is the only old movie that really scared me. So mm-hmm. this one actually fucking freaked me out when I watched it. Were you scared at all watching it? It's kind of it's very chilling, I think. And it's very effective for like it feels like a modern scary movie in a lot of ways. Yeah. So I I I had heard of this movie more recently. I remember the trailer back in 2006 for the first remake. Mm, I remember seeing it and that was before I was like really into horror movies. And so I was just like, "Hmm, I'm not going to see this. Uh, And but yeah, this is a really creepy movie. It's hard for me to like. It's hard for me to like say something is scary when I'm watching it at home because I control the volume and stuff. But like this is a very effective, like creepy movie. Yeah, I think it's like something that just it stands the test of time with how creepy it is and i think it's kind of similar to like jaws where maybe it's because we don't see the villain mm-hmm. that it makes it scarier cuz you your mind like makes up the rest of it right yeah and we never really know who he is we don't even know his real name we just call him billy because that's one of the names that he yells the whole fucking time <laughs> yeah. and then the remake just runs with that and it just is awful so I mean, it's not bad as a movie. It's bad, but it's good. We'll talk about it. But this one, I just feel like it's crazy to me that Halloween gets all the credit because Halloween literally does like all 
the same things that this movie does, mm -hmm. but this movie did it first. And I, I really think the reason maybe that it wasn't as successful is because maybe Christmas is a hard holiday to start off for. Cause I think it is. Thank you. Okay. Um, <laughs> what was I saying? Sorry. Christmas is a hard. Oh, Christmas. Uh, so this is like the first holiday horror movie, right? So like that's, I, which is crazy. I looked on Wikipedia and there's maybe some other that kind of relate, but this I would say is the first one that really, it seems like this is the first one that really was like, this is a Christmas a movie. Yeah. And then like, but it's maybe it's like if you would have started with Halloween, like how John Carpenter did, it maybe would have worked out better because it's like that's the perfect holiday to start off with a horror movie holiday. Yeah. And now we have all these movies, like even just this year, we have Thanksgiving. That's like a fucking holiday horror movie. So this thing is still going. I love that. But I feel like maybe Christmas was just hard for them to break out. But I I think overall, maybe it's just because there's no iconic killer or mask or like whatever, you know, it's mm -hmm. like just the eye and like that's pretty much all you get and like a, a shape and yeah. some voices that's all you get of the killer which is great because it's super scary but like it's nothing iconic like a freddy or a jason or something i think that's probably one of the big reasons why this movie has aged so well oh 100 like, this movie does things that most horror movies by today's standards don't have the balls to do like mm -hmm. they're like, we're going to have a movie where you don't see the killer. You don't know anything about him, And you don't you don't learn anything. He just exactly. is. As I was watching this, it reminded me a lot of The Strangers. Yeah, totally. Very much like it feels like that could have been inspired by this movie. Yeah, like it's just like it's something. Uh, it, it, those There's people no comfort. Are, yeah, it's like those people are just in the wrong house at the wrong time. And that's the entire reasoning behind it. Exactly. I think that that's like the key to why this movie is so effective is because there's no motive. There's no reason. Like at least like and I know that they don't really do it as much. They give a, a little bit to Michael in, you know, Mike mm -hmm. Myers, Mike, Mike Myers, excuse me, Michael Myers. <laughs> Two different people. Yeah, baby. Um, <laughs> yeah, not Austin Powers. Michael Myers, you know, you know that he's like returning to his home. So you kind of have a little bit to hang on to. But like this guy, all we know about him is some heavy breathing. And he's like climbing up the house and breaking in and laughing like a freak, yeah. like a fucking loon by himself and just killing bitches left and right. And I'm like, he's so like, it's almost like the Joker, you know, like the Dark Knight. I feel yeah. like how... They're like, we have no idea who he is. He doesn't have any fingerprints. Like all of his clothes are like no labels. Like he makes his own shit. He's just fucking untraceable. Yeah. That's what's so good. Yeah. And I think I think another reason why this movie is hard to remake is technology kind of ruins very big plot points of this movie. Like there's yeah. no it's not a reveal at the end that the caller is inside the house. We know that he's inside the house the entire yeah. time, but it's them mm -hmm. figuring it out. You know? I mean that it's almost crazy because I'm sure it was so, such tension back in the day, but like now the scenes where the guys running through the place, trying to fucking track the phone call. I'm yeah. like, this is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. That's my <laughs> favorite scene in the entire movie is 
<laughs> we got to trace the call. You got to keep them on the phone longer. I'm used to like movies being like, we need 30 seconds. I know. You know? They're like for the, minutes. She's it's like on computers. The call for like two minutes. Yeah. Computers, things going. This guy's running analog through <laughs> the, electrical the, the corridors looking for the right number. And then he has to plug in to make sure it's the right number. <laughs> I mean, it's insane to me. This, but one of the great things about this movie, I feel like, is that, like, I feel like it's interesting if you watched it now, you probably recognize a lot of the tropes that are in it. Yeah. Like, especially the bumbling idiot police who are just no help at all. And I think that that's like, obviously, ineffective police are like really popular thing in horror movies from this point on. And I think this movie really starts it, but it's like you watch it now and you're like, oh, yeah, but it's like this one was the first one that combined all those classic tropes. So you have like the first like seasonal or holiday horror film, the killer's POV tracking shots, which had been used in other movies. But like this is the first one that combines kind of the blueprint yeah. of like where like today's movies still fucking do this. Uh, stalking a group of young women, calls coming from inside the house, the police being ineffective, like I said, High body count and a twist ending. Mm-hmm. And I would say that like other movies that came before it had all had kind of elements of that. And like there's, you know, older movies that had like a POV shot or did like, you know, different things that this movie did. But I think the combination of all those is what like was incredible about it. Yeah, it's very distinct. And like the POV shots, that's something that I feel like in movies nowadays we see a little bit of but Mm -hmm. i loved that the whole movie we kind of switched to the pov and it's like we we're trained to know that when it's pov that's the killer yep and like they do it the whole movie and that's all we really learn about the killer is just his perspective it is super effective and and i thought like why why i feel like i don't see this very much Mm-hmm. Into, in a lot of modern horror movies. Like I said, there's hints of it. There's one scene where you see their perspective, but like the commitment to like, that's the, that's the story of the killer is through that perspective. Yeah. I thought was so interesting and unique and I loved it. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of interesting. Cause it feels like they put it all out in front for you, but then like they really, it's like they're giving you so much. Cause like, you know, he's in the house from the beginning. Like you said, it's not a big twist, but like, I think the twist is like because you don't know who it is still by the end. They kind of really convince you of the boyfriend who like is definitely a freak and probably deserves to die. But like, I feel like, you know, the unsettling nature of like the ending where it it does kind of have that twist. But overall, this movie just like, I don't know, I guess all of these things are incredible about it and they all work together. But it's like, yeah, sorry. I don't know where I'm going with this. (laughs) You're good. What I mean, was the I, last thing you just said? Uh, I was just saying that the POV in committing to the POV was a thing that I loved. I okay, let me start over. Okay, <laughs> I completely agree with you because I think like it gives you a lot of insight into the killer without even like you don't have to reveal who he is. It's great to like just make it more of like you understand in a different way what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool to know that the fucking camera guy had like a rig harness thing and he was the one doing so like he's 
they don't even remember like who did the famous eye shot between the doorway and like yeah i don't know whose eye that was i'm like oh it looks like it's fucking satan's eye i'll tell you that <laughs> um but it, i think like a lot of the stand-ins might have also been the camera guy too so i feel like he's like the majority of billy that we see yeah. supposedly billy in quotes because again this guy never says his fucking name he just yells names and billy is the only like male name i guess yeah that he yells out a lot so it, it's kind of like okay yeah that that sounds like we, we can call him that well and on the um him like having the camera harnessed and stuff like the opening scene we see is the pov and him climbing up up the house and the first thought that came to my mind was like this is a really easy thing to do today like people just strap a gopro and you're good in the 70s yeah what what did that what did that setup look like because like he his hands free we see both yeah. of his hands so it's yep. like did he just have like this 80 pound camera just like strapped to that's his what i'm head? saying dude like... this guy's gotta be fucking ripped like <laughs> this fucking crazy shit that's what i gotta look up is like the behind the scenes really because i love stuff like that and you're right i never thought about it with like how giant that fucking camera would be <laughs> but i think that's hilarious oh my god i love it like this is the easiest thing to do today you just strap a little half pound camera on your chest and you're good back in the 70s and this is film so it's like <laughs> how heavy was that setup like he must have looked like <laughs> i don't know like the terminator like having an exoskeleton <laughs> <laughs> I bet you it probably was. It was like, yeah, basically like that or like the fucking alien costume, but with a fucking camera. Like, cr I mean, it's a surprise that he didn't like just fucking like break that trellis thing that he's yeah. climbing up to fucking destroy himself. This guy, like, I just, I absolutely love the fact that like, it's just so much of like the POV that we think about is it's really like everyone always credits it back to the opening of Halloween, but it's like, the opening of Halloween is strikingly similar to the opening of Black Christmas. <laughs> and didn't you tell me uh, something about like Halloween is kind of the sequel of? Yes. So, so lay, lay this on me. Okay, so this blew my fucking mind. So apparently um, after this movie came out, Bob Clark, who is like the director, he um, had ha I think he had had a conversation sometime somewhere with John Carpenter and John Carpenter had said that he loved Black Christmas and asked him if he had any ideas for like a sequel if they were to do one and he said no joke his idea for the sequel was that it would be the killer had been locked in an insane asylum and that he escapes and then comes back to the house to kill more bitches and that he would have it called and he would name it Halloween <laughs> and i was like are you fucking kidding me so then fucking john carpenter goes i'm gonna use that and a lot of the things in halloween really are very very similar to this i even but i do i think this one stands out i feel like the characters are way more modern and like way more likable than most other horror movies especially from the 70s i feel like i didn't really feel that attached to the kids in texas chainsaw yeah. Or like in Halloween outside of Jamie Lee Curtis. But like this movie, there's like a lot of the girls that I'm like, oh, I like these characters. Yes. Even the crazy fucking house mother, Mrs. Mack. <laughs> I fucking enjoy that bitch. She's crazy as hell. Oh, yeah. but I like her. Yeah. Let's get to some of the house, the the women of the house. Uh, but also, I think we can all agree that um, if you are going to have your idea stolen, at least 
it gets stolen by an incredible filmmaker. Exactly. Like, can, can you imagine no if, if someone other than John Carpenter yeah. like was like, I'm going to take that premise and run with it. Like, and they just ruined the idea. I mean, I kind of feel like that's what happened with the 2006 version, but. Oh yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's basically that that's pretty much what would have happened. I imagine, but with better or like less special effects, probably. Yeah. But <laughs> as we know, if you've listened to our episode where we talked about the thing, um, that movie's incredible. John Carpenter knows what he's doing. So <laughs> no disrespect to one of my heroes. I, and also, I think Bob Clark said that, like, he didn't steal his idea. OK, I mean, <laughs> I'll give him the idea for like the killer and the mask really worked really well. But like, yeah. you know, overall, this movie just started a lot of things. If you enjoy a modern slasher, like modern slasher movies, I feel like or any kind of horror movie in general, I feel like you'll this is kind of the blueprint for so many of them. Yeah. And so the the people in the house, the women. So one thing I loved is they don't tell you anything about the killer. And so then they devote all the time and development to these characters in the house, which is essentially the complete opposite of what they did in 2006. Like, yes, hundred uh, <laughs> percent. They're like, you know how you guys didn't get, I think they said the like director writer, whatever was like, you know, he talked to Bob Clark and was like, you know how you guys didn't get to explore the like, you know, d killer and stuff. I think we could do that. And it's like, I don't know if it wasn't didn't get to. I think it was more like they didn't want to because it yeah. was scarier. I mean, like the I I was surprised to learn that it was not a fucking insane person from an insane asylum who was doing the phone calls because I thought it sounded like it could have been from Satan himself. Yeah. The person who did the voices for that has to be in an insane asylum. OK, yeah. So just so everyone's following along, we're talking about 1974. Yeah, we'll get the, to 2006 in a minute. The phone call, the initial phone call, is maybe in the top five most disturbing things I've ever heard. Like, oh, 100%. <laughs> like, oh it's like God. that first one with the, yeah, the, I mean, it's all, it's just really upsetting. And I don't even want to repeat it because it's gross. Well, it's like but... the first 10 <laughs> seconds of it are just him making noises. Just the like... moaner. That's why they call him the moaner's back, which like, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's... I'm, it's bizarre. <laughs> the fucking phone calls are bizarre to say the least. Like, it sounds like he's got, I'm like, is this guy a fucking like, does he do, uh, what is it called when they have the little like marionette dolls or whatever? Or Ventri a puppet? Ventriloquist. Okay. Yes. It's any yeah. puppet you can whatever do. Whatever it is, <laughs> ventriloquist shit. It's like, I feel like he's doing that. He's throwing his voice and doing all these different crazy voices and they're like overlapping. And I'm like, that's when they're like, is could that all be one person? I'm like, for real though, yeah, that and, is upsetting. And <laughs> even with it sound like a demon, it's like yeah. multiple things in there. And like with the subtitles on, it kind of throws you off because it's like woman voice, child voice, caller. It's all one person. <laughs> like <laughs> I know, and it's insane that like it all just is like it's just so upsetting. And I don't think I've seen. <laughs> You know, I see like older movies when they're like really controversial or whatever, like scary. But it's like, I've, I think that's the most controversial thing. I mean, The Exorcist has some moments, but that one was like, holy fuck, what the fuck are they saying? And then I was like, they aired this shit on TV. They must have just cut that whole part <laughs> out. There's no fucking way. I actually I think that they had an original plan to air this on NBC back in the day after it was like, <laughs> you know, at some point. And I guess that they had to they ended up not doing it because of the Ted Bundy uh, 
killings in or like uh, and he had done the same exact shit as this movie basically in Florida. Oh my and god. And they were like, oh, it's because of this movie. And it was like, no, uh, he's been doing it for a long time, believe yeah. me. Like but they didn't I think we all know. They didn't just make this movie. <laughs> yeah, it was like, I mean, Jesus. But it is kind of crazy that that kind of that's what's scary about the movie, though. That's why it works. There's no magic and and shit. And it's just like real serial killer shit. And like we we won't repeat any of the lines just, you know, for sanity's sake. But no, it's like it's crazy. Some of the things that he says. Can we pause? Yeah. Do you hear? So one of the reasons that I love the phone call so much, even though it's deeply upsetting with just how with the words that he says the sounds that he makes is is that so this movie's made in the 70s and it is really good at using what it has available to it and when i say that i mean like practical effects didn't really go crazy until like this the late 70s 80s and so like this movie doesn't have any like crazy gore like it yeah, it's really not gory at all. You don't really see any killings. Yeah, and so like they rely on these phone calls to be the unsettling, scary parts. That and the POV shots. And yeah. Like, they're so good. Oh, they're so effectively scary. I'm like, I believe they said it was like three different people who did the um, voices, which is like really crazy. There was... um. I'm pretty sure that there was like a one woman and then the director, Bob Clark, also did some of it. And then this ma- this other guy, Nick Mancuso, who was like the unnamed or like just a, he's an actor. Mm-hmm. I think he just was the one who mostly did it. But I'm like, this guy must have been fucking insane. Like, <laughs> I was like, there's no way this guy isn't in a fucking like insane asylum right now because that <laughs> shit is terrifying. All <laughs> of it. Can you imagine just like being a screenwriter and just be like, and then you're going to say this? Yeah. Like, Where the what? fuck did this come from? <laughs> well, it's like that they said that this guy would like literally like he would stand on his head to compress the thorax in his neck so he could do some of those like really like creepy fucking like oh, raspy sounds. Interesting. Yeah. And really upsetting. But like they didn't even they don't even remember who was doing like the. Like I said, the eyeball scene. So it's like it's different people every time. So it kind of works where it's still mysterious. Like you never get a good look at him. Yeah. Kind of like in the thing when they're like, you see the dog and the shadow and like the guy, but you don't know who it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like they said that maybe it was the cinematographer who was the one who was doing the like other stuff. But it's just crazy. And that there's like all these people doing it. So you, it's never really the same person. I think the only person they said that didn't stand in for him was the boyfriend the actor they didn't have him do it which i was like surprised because i feel like they kind of had similar hairstyles oh so even oh like stand in for like like the silhouette that we see it's not even him because they definitely lead you on that path they really do the one thing that's kind of telling is the eye color Mm -hmm. when you do see it between the like the door creepy yeah it's so unsettling I hate it because it's like it also looks like it's fucking on fire. It looks like Satan's fucking eyeball Mm -hmm. with fires of hell burning, but it's not blue, which is, I believe, what her boyfriend's uh, eye color is. So he seems like too much of a bitch to be a fucking killer. (laughs) 
the boyfriend the boyfriend is definitely an interesting character <laughs> i hate the boyfriend but i feel like i really love him compared to the one in the remake but we'll talk uh, yeah, about yeah. that when we get there but like weirdly i'm like you know what that other boyfriend who's like don't kill our baby is actually better than the remake boyfriend <laughs> but either way they all suck the women, though, okay, were you surprised at how, like, I felt like when I, the first time I watched this movie and the main girl's, like, whole issue with her boyfriend the whole movie is the pregnancy? Yeah, I was, I like, was so shocked that she was, like, I want to have an abortion. I don't want to get married. It just felt like it was light years ahead of any other movie from that time. So whenever I watch these older movies that, <laughs> I'll give you credit, you're the one who got me into them, um, I'm always looking at like what was going on in this time period because yeah like especially by today's standards like i can't imagine a movie where like the central protagonist is like in the very beginning i'm getting abortion because i have things that i'm working towards aspirations and all this stuff i want to do and then the boyfriend's like no let's get married like i can't imagine a movie like that today <laughs> it's like oh I'm this like is a very pro pro uh, uh pro choice movie in the 70s but uh so at this time this movie was made it came out the year after Roe v Roe, Roe v Wade came out mm -hmm. and so it's like super relevant to the time and it's super cool like i didn't really thought about that but it's like man i imagine that the uh pro life pro choice had to be pretty heated during Roe v Wade so it's like yeah. it's a pretty provocative choice to make so I... what's interesting about that is that the director said that like him and the actress olivia hussey who's the lead like our final girl and i love her she they both confirmed i think that like they didn't do it to be one way or the other but they just wanted to have that discussion topic because mm -hmm. they wanted something to focus on since like they weren't going to show the killer and like they wanted her to have something else that she was dealing with so it was not even like a big stance, but like people throughout the years. And I think just looking back on it now and compared to everything else back then, it's still, even if they're really not taking a stance, it still feels like a stronger stance than anybody else was taking at that time. <laughs> even bringing it up and making it a plot point, I think yeah, really says a lot. So maybe it was unintentional, but I think it made a big fucking deal. And like, to me, that's one of the things that like, I feel like if you are like really hesitant to watch older horror movies, you're like, oh, like I'm not into that stuff. It's like this one feels like it could have been like if you it would be really easy to do like a modern version of it. It feels like you would with think a little but technology we've gotten two stuff, bad ones. <laughs> we've gotten two bad ones. But I'm just saying like you think it, it just feels very modern in a lot of ways. So maybe that's why they can't remake it well is because it, it feels so modern. It still works. Yeah. Yeah. And it's probably one of the reasons that it's aged really well is because it's actually like has these very common topics in our lives mm -hmm. you know brought up and like they have very relatable conversations i feel like you know he's like you can't just kill the baby she's like well we didn't plan for this i didn't plan for this i'm not going to give up my entire life because because we did because we screwed yeah. up like <laughs> and, exactly yeah it was just really good and um so i made a list of things it was popping out during this movie there's a bunch of actors in this that look like actors that i grew up seeing and i'm like i kept double checking the entire movie just what what so the first one jess the main character mm -hmm. uh the uh, olivia hussey great last name by the way uh <laughs> 
she reminded me a lot of like a non-whispering Liv Tyler. Like, yeah, like she if she does if, have a similar way that she talks or something, even though well, she has an accent, but it's just kind of this air about her. Yeah, she like she has very soft features, very graceful. Yeah, L- Liv Tyler is definitely way more pale, but um, yeah, but like, yeah, this she has an accent in this movie, and Liv Tyler speaks exclusively in whispers. So there's, but it's mainly just kind of the vibe. That's I the first person you. on my list. Well, do you have you seen her in anything else? No, I always remember that like the first thing I'm pretty sure I saw her in was like in high school they would show like Romeo and Juliet. She was in like the original one and she like shows her tits and everybody made a big deal out of it. Uh, and when we watched it, because she's like 16. <laughs> and so then uh, the one thing that I remembered her mostly from, though, was in the TV miniseries of it. She played like the main guy, Bill's like wife when he's older. Oh, who like gets taken by Pennywise and all that stuff. It was uh, and I just remembered her because her accent is very memorable. Yeah. You know, it's great. I love her, though. I think she's like a really strong female character. A lot of people might have a problem with like how she kind of makes people always think it's stupid in horror movies when like, oh, she goes up the stairs to save her friends when they don't answer. But I'm like, you can't really be mad at this movie for any of that because it's the first one that did it. You know what I mean? And I I feel like you kind of have to have that to get that fucking incredible moment with the fucking eye through the doorframe. It's like that. It's worth it to me and i also love the cop who is just like do not go upstairs jess jess do not go upstairs that guy's a fucking trip (laughs) he's hilarious the whole thing with the fellatio and the phone exchange (laughs) is amazing like this movie's really ahead of its time and it's it's funny this movie is literally i laughed my ass off with that cop the first time we see him and it's like they're like our friend's gone missing and he's like, shut up. I know. He's like, <laughs> she's probably off with her boyfriend nine times out of ten. And then he's like, well, I love that like he the at least the like you know, sergeants and like the fucking guy in charge, he fucking knows what's up. He's like, yeah. you idiots. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Which I don't know if you recognize like the the main cop, but he's uh the dad from Nightmare on Elm Street. I did not recognize him. And he that. also plays a cop in that, like the sheriff. So I was like, I like this for him is right in character. And this was actually before that. So, uh, well, like about he's, 10 also, years. he's also on my list of looks exactly like someone else. Who? Zach Efron. Like Ooh. today, Zach Efron. He looks exactly like the, the, play him. the older pictures, like the like iron, that. iron. What is it? The Iron Claw? I keep wanting to say Iron Fist, but it's Iron Claw. (laughs) Yeah. Iron Fist is that other porno that you love. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Yeah, that that one on Netflix. (laughs) I didn't know Uh, that they started doing porn. (laughs) For them. Um, So the detective, let's let's stay on him. I. I liked him in this and then I really appreciated him after watching the 2006 one because there's no cop role at all. In, no, in the they just don't even they don't even deal with it, which I guess they kind of do at the insane asylum at the beginning. But mm, yeah, I don't think that counts. But like I, 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 I he doesn't really like do a lot. He's really just kind of a middleman. Like he's talking to Jess and then he's talking to the telephone company. But like 
Yeah. I, f- I felt like the role of the police was important to this story. Cause like we know the killers in the house and now there's like anticipation of like, how do they figure out that the person's in the house? Cause they say that one thing where they're like, there's one other phone in the house. It's the house mother's phone. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, oh, well, no, but we, but like, that. we don't need to worry about that. Idiots. Which again, you can only, excuse that because it's a movie from the 70s but like, like, like nobody's checking the rest of this fucking house like when you text me like do they don't even fucking check this bitch's room which like it makes it even worse in the remake because they're like talking about like they're like oh her phone's calling and then this other girl is missing his phone's calling it's like gee i wonder if there's someone in the fucking house <laughs> yeah. idiots but it's like in this one it feels like the cops are so dumb but again this feels like the first time that any of these things are like you know that they started so it doesn't feel like it's weird because it's familiar but i still feel like it's fresh the way that it's done yeah it kind of the reminds cops still try to help and they do help but they just fuck it all up and then they really fuck it all up and then they just destroy everything by the end yeah <laughs> and it's all fucking i i mean i will get there but jesus <laughs> But yeah, I really like that casting. of I could totally picture ever since you said that, I'm just thinking Zac Efron as this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And, and it, it, this movie kind of reminds me of uh, of like that show Poker Foot Poker Face where like we know the ending. Yeah. Or like we kind of know the reveal. And so it's like we're watching like, how do you get there? And so it's kind of like we're watching. It's like, no, you should you should know. Connect the dots. And it's like they don't connect the dots. But that's like fun as the audience. Like we know, so like do what we think and they don't. And it's it's fun. I enjoyed it. I know. They give us enough to know that we're smarter than the fucking police. That's <laughs> all. And but like we don't even get all the answers. Nobody knows. Yeah. It I almost did... feels like the people who wrote this thing don't even know, which is great. <laughs> and I love that because I feel like the ambiguous ending, I'm pretty sure the studio argued to try and get a more decisive ending. Yeah, I'm I glad they, they didn't. I think they wanted it. No joke. They suggested having the guy, the boyfriend of the girl who goes missing and her dad shows up, Claire, her boyfriend with the amazing fur coat. Uh, I love that coat. That guy is great. I think he's just he takes uh, takes up the whole screen every time I see him with that fucking thing. Um, he they were going to have him turn and like call her Agnes at the end. That's what uh, they asked him to do. And he was like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, damn that would have sucked and then i'm like somebody heard that for the remake and they're like let's run with that idea (laughs) right (laughs) oh yeah i'm so glad they did i i'm I'm glad that they they didn't explain anything it really just gives this like it's like a bottle episode similar Mm -hmm. to like the strangers of just like this is the wrong place at the wrong time and y'all are just very unfortunate for what happened. <laughs> exactly. And then they also do this thing like where at the very end, you know, they I think you hear the cops say that he must have made a phone call every time, like right after every kill or something. Mm-hmm. And so at the end, when you like get the sense that he's still there, you know, he's still there. Mm-hmm. And you know that they're like, oh, this she'll be out for four hours. Let's all leave her here at the scene of the crime. Fucking A. Um. <laughs> anyway, so then you like it goes to the credits right it's slow so slow pan out and then you hear the phone rings so you're like mm-hmm. oh shit did he kill her now great yeah Fuck, she was so close it's just bullshit it sucks because this movie is really great with like the characters i really enjoy them so i actually feel like bad when they get killed. yeah i like really hate it yeah like they 
like not everyone got a backstory, but like every character, like there was something there that like was yeah. memorable. And also all of the women in the house are just hilarious. Like Jess is not very funny. Everyone else is so funny. They're also all just just mainlining alcohol the entire movie. Like, yeah, I don't know that, if you know who the the actress who plays uh the one that's wasted the whole movie. Barb. Yeah, Barb. Uh, Margot Kidder. She was like the OG uh, Lois Lane with like uh, Christopher Reeves in Superman. Oh. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember her from that a lot, like always. And then I saw her in this and I was like, oh, this is interesting. She was also in uh, the first uh, version of the Amityville horror. Oh, okay. Yeah, but she's, I love her in this movie. She's hilarious. And like, that she's constantly drunk, getting kids drunk. The whole Santa, like, and they're just arguing. And he's like, ho, 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 fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's like, I think the comedy in this, now knowing that this director did a Christmas story. Yeah. I, I can tell that, like, I know Bob Clark, like, infused the script with more humor and stuff. Which I think is, like, what makes it unique. And also feel, even though it's not directly about Christmas, mm -hmm. it still feels like a good Christmas movie. Yeah. It's just and, horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, speaking of Barb, I don't know if you'll agree with me, but this was just, this popped into my head immediately the first time I saw her. She reminded me of the, um, my, another high school crush of mine, the girl from Step Up 2, Ad Sorority Row, Brianna Evengale. Ah, yes. I like I, th I, th I think I think it's the bangs. I think it was the like bangs. the bangs in the eyes. It just made me think of that. You know, I feel like Mary Elizabeth Winstead kind of had the bangs in the remake. A little bit. But right. I've seen I've seen too much of Mary Elizabeth Winstead. She only Mary Elizabeth Winstead is Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yeah, so. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. What am I thinking? <laughs> Get what your the head out of your thinking? ass, Renee. So We're talking about one... my high school crushes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. One thing. What, what's the, no? I was gonna say, what's the what? Do you have another one? Oh no, I got more, but I'm bringing them out as we talk about them. Okay, cool. The only other thing I was just gonna mention that I remembered that I don't want to forget was because you never really know anything about Billy. Mm -hmm. Um, there's like really nothing about him, right, that you can know. But they, I don't even think like the filmmakers or screenwriters have said anything. But there's this movie called. It's like kind of a found footage thing. It's called Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Okay. It's a crazy fucking mouthful, but it's an incredible movie. It's like a mockumentary where like this guy is like becoming a he's going to become like the next Jason or like the next Freddy. And like those guys are real and they're like superheroes to us. And like they're villains, but they're still it's like this weird alternate universe. Yeah. So anyway, so he's like showing he's showing the team like how he does the prep work, how he finds the final girl and like all of his origin story shit and he goes to a killer for advice and the guy that he goes to goes under the name Eugene and he's got a wife and they talk about all the different things of like picking out victims and shit and it, it the movie intends it to be an older Billy from Black Christmas so oh. like they don't ever really like e explicitly mention it but they kind of like talk about how he had had a run and never been caught and like killed at a sorority back in the day. And I think like his last name is uh 
Mancuso or something, which is the same as the guy who mostly played uh, the the voice of Billy in the original. So I thought that that was interesting. And I was like, no fucking way that guy got married, though. That's the one thing. I don't think (laughs) that ever guy that guy would ever find a wife. And if he did, maybe it's like the sequel and it's his fucking sister. But that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I think my favorite or at least the funniest character in the, in the entire movie is the house mother. Oh yes, Mrs. Mack. What Mrs. a legend. Fucking legend. Like uh, Mrs. Mack is hilarious cuz she's mainlining booze from the very beginning of the movie and like she's just hiding it everywhere and I'm like does she need to be hiding this? Like she's in a sorority house. Like she has it in the book. She has it in the toilet. Like yeah, what's going on? Swishing it around her mouth after she's brushing her teeth. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I love it though. It feels like a, just an old relic of the past that I'll never understand. Like I feel like a very similar vibe when I watched the nightmare on Elm street, um, the original, the mom has hidden alcohol bottles all over the house. And she's always like, and they're always like these gigantic bottles that are like half the size of her. And I remember one time like Nancy looks out of her room and sees the mom and her mom like opens up a towel closet and like lifts up some towels and pulls out the biggest fucking bottle of vodka and just starts <laughs> chugging out of it. And I was like, is this a thing? Like, did this really happen back then? Like, what the fuck? It was just uh, it's I don't know if maybe that's just a relic of the time, but maybe women were doing that to get by. I get it. But it just seems a bit much like some of these. I'm like, I feel like you're like a drug addict or something hiding in the fucking toilet. (laughs) Well, it was really funny to me because like, so I I wasn't in a sorority surprise. Um, But like our house mothers, even a thing still, I don't think they are. I have fucking no idea. I wasn't in a sorority either. I thought it was funny because like I'm like, I'm pretty confident they're not a thing. But back in the day, they were. And I would have to imagine the only way to cope with that situation of having to be a good role model to a bunch of sorority people. Sorority bitches, I think we can say. (laughs) Okay, sorority (laughs) bitches. Uh, The only way to cope with that is by drinking. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, with the gift that those guys bought her, I I believe it. I understand. (laughs) She's got that. But she's also just a fucking wreck of a human being. But I really enjoy it that she's just like, what am I supposed to do? These bitches are like so horny all the time. I can't do shit. Like even if I tried, they would have like, hopped on the leaning like, tower of Pisa. If yeah, they, if they could get up there. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, honestly, I kind of believe it. Yeah, they're all fucked. <laughs> but I love too that it's like a smaller group because it's like you know the over Christmas break. So it's weird because it's like your sorority house, but it still feels isolated. Yeah, because you know? most of the people are gone. So, yeah, it's like they're just in that. And the weather's bad and it takes 45 minutes to track a phone call. Yeah, (laughs) that's just technology. But, man, that's my favorite scene of the whole movie. Just seeing that guy run back and forth. Got to keep him on the phone longer. Damn it. (laughs) I wonder just how tense that was back in the day. Because I'm like, Uh, God, this is just a fucking tedious process. Like, oh, man, this is a tense scene. Now that I know that it's not just a computer that's doing it, it's a guy (laughs) manually running. That was my favorite part is like, this was a thing. (laughs) Like, this is how you tracked calls. Some of that stuff just feels like a little like I just still laugh at it, even though I know it's effective still. But it's like that always made me laugh. And then same with the one 
at the very end when he when the cops tell her not to go upstairs and then she's like yelling for her friends in the way that she's like oh <laughs> <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> like, I love it and she's giving it her all but it always makes me laugh just because uh, of her accent it's so yeah. cute and I just I really always die it's like answer me <laughs> and you're like bitch don't go upstairs alright so I had two questions for you one okay. of them I think you can answer and more is just a funny question in my head uh, the first one the girl who gets killed at the park that they find during the search party for Claire, I think it is, mm-hmm. was, is that confirmed? Like, is that related to the guy in the attic? Like, did he kill her on the way? I think so. And then they also mentioned that a townie was raped the week before. So I feel like he also had raped the town girl. Mm-hmm. So he's been on an, on the on the move, you might say. Those townies. I think there's at least another teenage. There's like a teenage girl that he kidnapped and then an, another like high school girl who was raped and killed. Or maybe it was also the same teen girl. I don't know. OK. But either way, this guy's up to fucking no good. He's leaving a path of bodies in his wake. It sounds like. Well, that's kind of feels a... like the old thing of like the old urban legend story of just an escaped maniac yeah. or like mental patient. I feel like that was always the killer in all those old stories, which. This kind of even comes back to like the guy, like the killers upstairs already in the house. Yeah, it it was a thing that I that I I was assuming that he killed him on the way to the house because it I liked that it wasn't just a house thing. Like in 2006, it, it almost seems like he's been living in the attic the whole time, which is like, OK, it's 2006. Like there's no inspections. No one's going checking up there. The cops but, really are still this stupid. I mean, they are in some ways, but I feel like they at least will check the attic. Yeah. Especially when you see what kind of crazy shit this guy. And there's not a smell of rotting bodies. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. So the second question I had, it revolves around Peter. So mm-hmm. Peter was a, a, a pianist or a pianist based He's off a your giant head. fucking penis. I mean, sorry, a tiny little <laughs> penis. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, first off, um, he seemed unhinged from the very beginning. So they were really laying it on that it was him. But uh, I thought it was really funny when he had his concert scene where like he was playing for the people. He was going so hard. I was like, is his life in danger if he fails this? Like he was, was unsettling. destroying that piano. <laughs> like, I think it was like. Because he's also playing it bad and he's fucking everything up. And it's like, this guy's like almost 42. He was like 38 or something when he filmed this. And I'm like, what a weird casting. It's a guy from 2001, A Space Odyssey, too. And it's like, this is very different. Uh, But he just felt like very old and then way too emotional. I know know she said he's high strung because he's an artist. But like, this guy's more than high strung. (laughs) It's the only thing. I think he's like way past that. He destroys his piano after that too, which is just even more unhinged. I was going to ask that. That's my question is, so who pays for that? Like, fuck if I know he's dead. I don't think it matters. (laughs) Or maybe his fucking parents. They're left with fuck this kid. He died. And he left us with this giant bill. Okay. So maybe that's too dark. This leads to my last um, person that I thought looked like another person. So wait, hold on. You said that the actor who plays Peter, uh, he was, uh, he was. You said he was like forty when he did this, like thirty six between like thirty six or thirty eight or something. Okay, so when I saw him, 
at least the profile shot of him. I thought he looked like Vigo Mortensen with a bad wig. Oh, totally. Yeah, I can see it. Like, <laughs> yeah, shaved face, kind of yeah. weird. Yeah, I, I, that's a great fucking catch. Good job. That was nice. I like that. That is really accurate. I thought that was a good one to round out the the list. But yeah, great movie. Great ending. Not enough movies have the balls to do what this movie did. This movie also didn't perform very well in theaters. So maybe that's why mo movies don't do it so much. But this is a great, great movie, especially if you're like, I'm not sure about old movies like this yeah. is a great old movie yeah like if you if you can watch an old movie and it still feels relevant and timely like the thing i feel like is another one it's just always gonna be good i feel like this one too i just feel like maybe that's why they can't remake both of these movies is because they already nailed it what's the point same with like carrie it's like they nailed the first time why do we keep trying there's like another one in the works it's like get out of here yeah. i think we've said all we need to say and I think it, when the first one's so good, they just automatically want to remake it. But like sometimes a remake is just not warranted. Well, apparently, you know, original ideas are, are hard to come by. But uh, only if your studios. But I would, I would also say this is a really good like uh, intro to horror movies movie. Yeah. Like all you have to do is get over. Um, is this house soundproofed? Because yeah. like you, you you learn that he's in the house the whole time. So and he's like screaming over the phone. So as long as you can get over like soundproofing, yeah. you're fine. But that is a good point. He's using all the bodies to insulate the attic so nobody can hear him. That's <laughs> yeah. how he's doing it. Obviously, Jace. Come on. <laughs> all right. Well, okay. Let's let's talk for just a short of a short amount of time about the 2006 movie. <laughs> all right. So. Quick little bit on 2006 Black Christmas. I mean, I don't, in my opinion, I feel like this movie used Black Christmas just as an easy cash grab because um, they stole the main idea and main characters, but like it, do it doesn't keep any of the actual like substance of the original movie. <laughs> No, it's kind of like the quintessential 2000s remake of any good horror movie that came out in the early 2000s of like except for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Texas Chainsaw and the sequel The Beginning are both really good, I think. And Hills They're... Have Eyes. Those are the two like, great remakes. I will also say the other two that I always we always talk about is Piranha 3D and I'm not I'm not afraid to say I love Piranha 3D. Um, <laughs> but then the other one that was good was um, My Bloody name. Valentine. That one is actually pretty fun. It's really gory. It's kind of like this movie where they really leaned into the gore. But I would say that this movie is most it reminds me of the shitty version of the Nightmare on Elm Street re remake. Uh, OK, you know, but yeah, I, yeah. OK, the last good one I was going to say was the Friday the 13th. I really enjoyed that one. Okay, it kind yep, of yep. combines the first three of those movies into one and it actually works. Yeah. Um, this one weirdly is written by the guy who wrote Final Destinations one and three, which we both love. Yep. But I think I know that like some of the things I do feel like he was already going down the wrong path, but I know that the Weinsteins produced this and that they made him add a bunch of crazy shit in there and change a bunch of things. Mm. So I don't think it was all a hundred percent his fault, but I do know that he was, from the get-go interested in like exploring the killer 
and yeah. like who he was. And I just think that's already a misstep if you're starting that way. Yeah. And With this story, at least, you know? Yeah. And like to this movie's credit, the kills are wonderful. Like this is a great like movie that you throw on in the background. And when you see the kills come and you just stop for a second, you see it happen. And the kills are really good. So final destination worthy kills. A little uh, repetitive with the violence of the eyes, but I'm just like, I remember the first time I watched this, I was just like, I need to rewatch the original. Was there something about fucking eyeballs in that one? Yeah. Where did that come from? That was just something really specific. And I was like, I do, however, enjoy the visuals of when they have all the eyeballs hanging from the fucking tree yeah. as like fucking ornaments. That was kind of creepy and awesome and cool. Like there's a lot of Christmas. This one feels more Christmassy overall because yeah. like they use more of the Christmas stuff in the movie. But yeah, but yeah, I, I don't know. It just feels like already they were off to the races. But I do. I know that like the torture porn and a lot of the gore being stepped up to be really excessive is one of the things that the Weinsteins wanted and um, the incest plot with Billy. That that plot point was the the weirdest one. I mean, if 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 the director wanted to explore the origins of the killer, I feel like it would have been much better to do a prequel movie yeah. than to redo the original and then switch the focus of the movie on the killer rather than the women in the house. Right? Because like the great part of Black Christmas is that you don't learn anything about the killer. It's, it's yeah, it's just this sucks. This is just a crazy person that got in our attic, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it's like this one, <laughs> there's so many flashbacks and all this stuff. And then, yeah, you have convoluted stuff with like Agnes, too. It's like you even forget about that. And then it's also like, well, where the fuck did that come from? Like, I just felt like I don't I feel like we watched two different movies and then they went and remade this movie with like their best remembrance of like parts of it. Or they maybe just like wrote the transcript down for all the creepy phone calls. And then they go, how do we turn this into exact plot? Like, yeah, <laughs> everything that's said here, let's make it into a movie. It's literally like that, right? Yeah, it just feels like, like they, they only took that. And I'm like, that's one of the reasons this movie was effective, but that is not the only reason. Yeah, it's like one of I the notes watch that watch it. <laughs> yeah, one of the notes that I took down was just like they went way too far with Billy in this movie. I was like, he's not just an insane guy, he's also a rape victim, a father of incest. Uh, he's a serial killer with jaundiced skin. So he's essentially the guy from Sin City. And the yellow bastard or whatever from Sin City. But also, he is not a serial killer. They specify in this one that he's a spree killer. Okay. I would say, the, but it's different because the original, I would say that guy seems like a serial killer to me unless this is the first time killing. So, Except he kind of is a serial killer because he does have a, a pattern. He has a motive. It's people who live in his old house. So whatever. You're uh, right. You're right. <laughs> this movie, I don't know what I'm thinking. They were like, one of the trivia pieces said that Michelle Trakenberg, who plays like the one who says that comment about the spree killer, she was like, I got really into looking into like the background of killers and like why they are. And I'm like, oh, calm down. Like yeah. you had one line about it. <laughs> the... And, but then the weirdest thing that I was like, why did they add this is they make him a cannibal. Yep. 
That was another thing that the Weinstein's wanted them to add. It's like, did they just watch Silence of the Lamb or something? Like, they wanted torture porn, and they thought it, the grosser that it would be, the like better. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, so that's why they made him add in those extra things with all of like the eyeball shit and like the fucking Christmas cookies out of the human flesh. I think the most upsetting part of that was that he's dipping that in the milk and then eating it. <laughs> yeah. I just really hated that. And also the fact that they gave him the yellow skin and it just looks like, you know, they increased the saturation and the hue on fucking Photoshop on him. So it's like really obvious. Like even that... if he had that disease, he wouldn't be that yellow. He looks like he's fucking radioactive. <laughs> this did <laughs> remind me to a lesser extent. Um, but like, it reminded me of when we talked about uh, Scream 4. Like that time period, like things had a glow to them and this kind of had that. Yeah, you you're, know? Right, you're right. <laughs> the early 2000s, man, they're kind of an interesting place. Some really good things and some really unfortunate. Yeah, But like I, I can appreciate someone taking a swing at something, trying something different, but I felt like they just they swung at all the wrong things. Like they, they took away all the actual characters of the main girls and they have very recognizable like people like like we mentioned mary elizabeth winstead but then like they have the girl from mean girls mm -hmm. i recognize the main girl from the arrow show yeah like, i know like <laughs> they also had the daughter from weeds like there's some people in here. I guess this is all before anything that i just mentioned so um it was like kind of around the same but like it's weird because they, they do have more more people in it that are like recognizable, but it's just weird to me because I just feel like it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't. And then maybe that's that's just their way of being like, well, we don't have to really worry about their characters because we're picking people that people know, yeah. you know, so it's like, OK, well, I don't know, but I know that girl. So at least it's OK. I kind of feel like I know her. It just doesn't make any sense. I like the house mother, but it's funny because it's like the same actress from the original. Oh, I didn't um, realize that. Yeah, the. The one who plays Phyllis. Phil. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the, like Afro and the glasses. One who looks like, like the, the church lady from SNL. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then it's like, so I just had no idea. But I think that that was at least pretty fun. And I enjoyed I enjoyed some like this movie's fun and like kind yeah. of funny. Yeah. But like the whole backstory that they add and go into is like, it just reminds me so much of the Nightmare on Elm Street remake where they thought if we go really into like lean heavily into his origin story about how he was a pedophile then like people would really be into that and it's like no I yeah. don't want to know about how he was molesting kids with his fucking knives I don't like <laughs> any of that that was upsetting yeah. and also just like just not fun in any way the old movies were fun at least and like they didn't ever talk about the pedophile shit maybe it was yeah. implied but like they didn't spend a whole movie on it that yeah. would not have been a franchise that's how I feel with this one it's like Let's go all in on figuring out why Billy was so scary. Well, it's like, well, all you did was make him not scary because now he's just like a yellow creature. That doesn't age. I know. Doesn't age. I don't ever think like it just doesn't make any fucking sense. Any of it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And like that was the weird thing. It's like you have all this time dedicated to the Billy backstory and then like the reveal of the movie is that Agnes is his daughter is partnering with him on this, but his it's like sister and his daughter. Don't forget. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Sister, daughter. But uh, that was also apparently Harvey Weinstein's idea with the whole mom raping the kid. And I'm like, that sounds about right. That's I fucked. Mean, 
it, I guess, but it's just like weird that they just jump from he stabbed her in the eye to like he's now on now she's on board with 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 killing people. Also called him he because the actor is played by a guy. Obviously, <laughs> it's very obvious. And then it, one of the weirdest things, too, is that I was like the first time I watched this and like every time since I always want to track it, but it just makes me irritated. But I'm like, how many fucking times did they say he or she is my family now? They repeat it like over and over again. And I was like, is that line even from the fucking original? I don't no. think so. It's, no, not. it's not. So I'm like, where the fuck do they get that? Why is that something that they're just I know it's from the flashbacks, but it does nothing. And it's so fucking annoying yeah. how many times they say it. And it just it's almost laughable. And then they end the whole thing at the hospital too, like the fake ending. It's like, come on, everybody hates that. It's so overdone. I will say the only one of those I enjoy is Scream 4, but that's just because we get some fun stuff. I was going to say people give Scream 4 shit for the hospital ending. This is a hundred times worse. Like, first off, this hospital sucks. They're locking yeah. the doors of their patients and then they're not even answering the emergency calls. And whoever the fuck is clearing these people is dead at the fucking scene who clearly aren't dead. I no. mean, it's just insane. And why would there not be an officer in here watching the bodies just in case? Yeah. You know, they'd be I mean, watching how they're handling this shit. Nobody I, gives a fuck. My biggest question was they found the bodies of Agnes and Billy unburned at the site of a house burning down. Yeah. And then also they, they cleared them as dead. Right. Like Thank what? You. What is it? Some he was doctor breathing wasn't in the even body looking? bag. <laughs> he was fucking breathing in the body bag, <laughs> but I do feel like it, exactly. That was what was so obvious to me. And then it's like, it just feels very weird. And like, I mean, I guess in both movies, it's like, they don't ever look in the attic, but you're like, I mean, because they don't discover all the bodies. And when they do, they in this one, uh well they do at the very end when the two when the two go up there you're but right it makes more sense in the first one weirdly why they don't check the attic because they have no way to know that the call is coming from in the house and like people don't go up into their attics um and unless you're murdering bitches <laughs> yeah but the original was a lot more like methodical and slow paced about it yeah you know, this one just jumps all balls to the wall, all in. Yeah. And there's so many weird characters, like the character Eve, the girl who's like super weird and has like the, the fucking newspaper from the day that Billy was <laughs> killing or whatever. Yeah. It's like, what? Like, they don't even explain it. The boyfriend who's just an asshole and who has all these sex videos and who's just the worst and then just knows at the top of the hat how to tell the perfect origin story. It just felt like so bad, you know? Yeah, it, but it is still fun. I as much as I'm like shitting on it, it's very fun. Yeah, it's like, a good bad I'll, watch. It's a good watch for Christmas because it does have a lot of good Christmas kills, like you said. The killings are fun. It's almost like if it wasn't Black Christmas, like exactly like trying to be yeah. a remake, I'd be way better about it. This was more like this is what um Sorority Row was supposed to be like yeah. sorority row is a good horror movie and i feel like mm -hmm. this movie was supposed to be sorority row but yeah. then they're like we have to we have to tie this into black christmas because we're using the name to sell tickets and it did it kind of worked but not really yeah but yeah like it was a real miss for them to 
to focus so much on the killer and not the main characters. Cause like when people died, I was just like, okay. Sucks for like I only cared about Mary Elizabeth Winstead dying because yeah. I love her. Yeah. And she exactly. didn't even get it. She didn't even get like an on-screen death. We just see blood splatter. Like <laughs> No, and I did before we wrap this up, I have to call out one of the things that I think is most disgusting in this movie, which has a lot of disgusting moments. But none more so than when the girl who's like basically this movie's Barb, the drunk, you know, yeah, one. Yeah. She takes a fucking tequila shot and chases it with red wine. And I was like, <laughs> no wonder that bitch is puking for the rest of the night. I was like, that is disgusting. That is grosser <laughs> to me than all the eyeballs that they pluck out of fucking people's faces, which is like a lot. I didn't track yeah. it, but it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that first eyeball scene that I texted you about. I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And then they just do it over and over again. But yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, okay. So this is the thing. Okay. <laughs> then at least at the end, you're like, oh, I guess he's decorating the tree. Yeah. Kind of in the but, spirit of the season. You know, it makes a lot of sense to me that they, they rent, they went this route because like, think about it. Like scream had just happened. You know, yeah. nightmare on Elm street. Like we've had this whole, whole formula of, of, yeah, of, of kill of slashers. Yeah. And Black Christmas, the original is like, we don't care who the slasher is. It's not important. Exactly. And they're like, oh, how do we make money with today's formula of this? You know who I would love to see do like a real adaptation? Hmm. I mean, he won't do it because he's about to do his last movie. But I feel like Quentin Tarantino could nail yeah. like all dialogue, quick blood shots. He like could. He would be great. I really because you need the comedy the... too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Merry fucking Christmas. No, we gotta make it about another be? holiday. Oh, he'd be the killer. That's who he'd be. I don't Pick want the his... motherfucking phone. <laughs> yeah, I want his his phone calls could be pretty terrifying. <laughs> I'm just saying, or the hilarious. I don't know. Equal parts scary and funny. I'm kind of about it. I want to see this movie now. <laughs> In this modern age, Perfect. too many people have lost sight of the true meaning of Christmas. Mom! Hush! Shut up, Ralphie! So now, in the spirit of the original... I made you! Stop! Tradition. American Christmas. Thanks a lot! MGM presents A Christmas Story. All right, let's end on a high note with some Christmas cheer. No horror, no no tricks, just good old-fashioned, wholesome Christmas. Yeah, with your lady leg lamp and the kid getting his tongue frozen to the pole. All wholesome shit. A Christmas story. A Christmas story. This is an all-timer classic for Christmas movies. And looking through like the you know, some of the Christmas movies over the years. I feel like Christmas movies really found their stride in like the 90s and beyond because there's so many great Christmas movies for our generation. Like mm -hmm. we have we have uh, Home Alone. We have Elf. We have Bad Santa. We have all the movies that we've talked about just this month. Like mm -hmm. there's a there's a ton of them. I feel like prior to this, it's there's a couple Christmas movies. Like prior yeah. to the 90s, there's just like a couple of classics. There's some good ones, but yeah, I feel like all the other ones were like older or something. I mean, Christmas Story is probably the newest out of all the Christmas movies that mm. I would like have been raised on compared to like ones that showed up in the 90s, obviously. But like for the 80s, I feel like 
this one was the definitive Christmas movie. I yeah. could be wrong, but it feels like before that it was like a lot of like maybe really wholesome too. You know, this feels I mean, obviously Black Christmas, not so wholesome. Same director <laughs> yeah. came out before, but it it's not really like what you would say like it is a Christmas movie, but not fully in the way that a Christmas story is. I think this one became a classic and it also is like kind of I feel like it has that appeal to like kids and to adults because mm -hmm. it's like the humor goes over your head as a kid. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it hits different when you're like old enough to get it. <laughs> it's yeah. like kind of an adult comedy, but it's sold as a kid's comedy. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, the wife, when we watched it, she pointed that out to me. I didn't really think of it, but she was like, yeah, I feel like this was like the movie that our parents showed us because it was nice enough that we wouldn't get all the jokes. But like. It would this was a very enjoyable, fun movie as an adult. Yeah, you get a lot of the bits and like the jokes and stuff. But like when you're a kid, you're just like, oh, it's pretty fun or like sometimes scary. Like when I was a kid, at least I hated the scene with the kid getting his tongue sucked to the pole. I got so <laughs> scared because I think the kid really sells it in that scene. He's just a good actor because he's screaming, like crying. I just felt so bad. Also, that would fucking hurt. And you're an idiot if you do it. But and thank God we got that scene because then we got Dumb and Dumber to reprise it. Yeah, we needed that. <laughs> That's exactly it. That one is pretty great. But this is like the original. I agree. And it, it does. It does have a lot of those things. But there's like enough for kids to like have fun with. But then when you're older, you're like, oh, OK. It's, it's like you kind of the whole puzzle finally yeah. starts to make sense. You're like, I just I, when I was younger, I think I just always remembered the little bits and pieces that stand out to kids. Yeah. And then it's watching like, it again, you're like, it's kind of a different movie. It's like uh, it's like old Disney movies. Like yeah. there's a bunch of adult jokes that just go totally over kids heads. SpongeBob and... did that, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Question. When was the last time you saw this movie? Probably it... at least 10 years, maybe. Okay. I it's not like in my regular Christmas rotation. Yeah. I know I've seen this movie before. I could not tell you when I was that young. Um, and so I'm assuming I didn't really love the movie as a kid. I loved it watching it as an adult. Maybe I'm just more emotionally mature and I, I, think I, I get it. more in the spirit of things, but like I loved this movie. I thought it was so fucking cute. It is a pretty cute movie. It's very fun and like silly. And I guess like it it's like it's just a classic for a reason. It kind of just the whole vibe, everything. It just feels so Christmassy. And it does have like some of the most hilarious bits like in the movie. I always remembered even as a kid, the like kid with like when his mom's getting him all dressed up to go out in the snow, it's like covered in like all that shit. He can barely move. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I would always feel that way when my mom would get me dressed to go outside in the cold. I can't put <laughs> kind of my thing. arms down. It's like, great. <laughs> Wait, at least I'm warm. <laughs> yeah. But it's like there's all those little things. And then also the little like with the kid and everyone's like, you're you'll put your eye out or you shoot <laughs> yeah. your eye out. It's just like it's so good. Oh, the official Red Riber. Red Rider carbine action, 200 shot range model air rifle with a compass in the stock. <laughs> like, it is pretty cute because it's like, I guess the ultimate kids movie that like it it seems like it's a kids movie because it's all about a kid wanting a toy. Mm -hmm. Really, that's what the movie's about, right? Mm -hmm. Unless there's something else I'm missing in the subtext. But I kind of feel like it's just like. It's a heartwarming family movie, but it's mostly about a kid wanting a toy, which I kind of love. I mean, the message that I take away from it is that Christmas trees are overrated. 
and mm-hmm. leg lamps should be fashionable. Leg lamps are cool, man. I love that that's like the coolest thing to the neighbors. They're all like looking at it. It's like, God, what boring lives these people must lead. I know this takes place in like the 40s or 50s, so there's not like anything on TV they could watch, but like still. A I, fucking leg lamp. My my favorite line, I think, of the entire movie is when the narrator is just like, so after the entire neighborhood was turned on. Yeah, exactly. It's like, lamp. ooh. All right, so... <laughs> I wanted to talk real quick because we talked about Black Christmas and it's just unbelievable to me that Bob Clark did Black Christmas, which is the all time an all timer Christmas horror. Mm -hmm. And then he 10 years later, he did a Christmas story, which is an all timer Christmas movie. Like it's it's crazy. Like most directors kind of get one (laughs) like they find their lane. And then they just really kind of stick to it. You know, maybe mm-hmm. they deviate a little bit. Like Ridley Scott is the guy for he's the guy for historic battles and then sci-fi things mm-hmm. like. But he doesn't like there's not a Ridley Scott Christmas Christmas movie that pops up. You know, like <laughs> Yeah, it'd be pretty fucking depressing, I bet. <laughs> but it's just so crazy to think of a director doing these two things. And it's almost impossible in my mind. And then, I mean, then I looked at Bob Clark's filmography, which I had no clue that he did baby geniuses. And I watched that movie a ton. Uh, That (laughs) explains a lot. Chase. No, I do love that movie though. Baby geniuses and the sequel. He did both of them, I think. So I really liked both of those. Those were classics when I was a kid, just such a range, but I wanted to throw a couple directors at you of, of beloved, holiday movies and just i wanted to see if you could imagine them doing a horror version or a horror movie maybe a horror christmas movie but let's just start with even horror yeah that's too hard to get anybody to even do a christmas horror movie (laughs) so um first one is bad santa which was uh directed by terry zwigoff okay I don't know anything about I, this guy. Has I don't, done I don't else? know any of his filmography. Well, either. this has been fun. Pick somebody <laughs> that I know or else I can't decide. I, I don't know. You could do anything the, then. Sure. I don't know. You watch random old movies. So I, maybe. Uh, okay. Santa's not old. Chris Columbus. Okay. Not the guy who allegedly discovered I, America. I know. Who Chris <laughs> guy did Home Alone. Yeah. He also started the Harry Potter world. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did the first couple of them. Could you imagine him doing a horror movie or yeah, even a I Christmas could, horror movie. He's got to do like The Strangers because he did Home Alone. Yes. He, there we go. I, I could I could see. He could maybe flex some similar muscles. Although Home Alone, he's, he's got too much of a lighthearted energy. With anything dark, it wouldn't be dark enough. Like it wouldn't be a horror. I don't think yeah. that guy could pull it off. I changed my answer. No. Next. <laughs> that's That's the thing. I think it's it's more likely that a horror director could do a warm-hearted movie than someone who's never done a horror movie switching over. I think it, it's... I yeah. mean, if you do comedy, I think you could maybe jump into it, as we've learned, like Zach Kreger and Jordan Peele and shit. Yeah, that's true. So, so. On, on that note, Elf director John Favreau, mm-hmm. you know, he's done Iron Man, he's done some other things, never really dabbled in true horror do you think he could do a a good horror movie? I don't know. 
Unless, I mean, it. Unless, I hope it's just not all CGI like the fucking Lion King. I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. want that where he's going. I want him to do like, I want him to do something real, you know? I wouldn't mm-hmm. want CGI horror. So, no, next. Okay. So, this <laughs> I one. I love Elf again, too pure hearted. <laughs> Give me someone who did like a, a Christmas Carol. That's somebody who could maybe do a horror movie. Mm. All right. So, then the last one, I'm going to flip it on you. Could this horror director do. A a heartwarming family Christmas movie. Okay. He's already got the Christmas horror, Joe Dante of Gremlins. Mm. Yeah, he could do he, it. I agree with you. I think he could do it. Of course he could. <laughs> is that is that the only director that's the last one? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to go on for 20 minutes. Let's with do this. 45 more minutes, Jace. <laughs> I was just asking. The whole segment. <laughs> I'm just curious. But yes, I think we could safely say just from like even not even looking at the rest of his film resume, but like you just look at Black Christmas and a Christmas story and you're like, I'm sorry, who the same guy? Like, I just feel like the only thing that I could catch that was similar between them was the opening and closing shots of the house. I mean, I guess at the end of Christmas story, it's at the restaurant, but still it felt like the the opening shots were similar and almost like I was like, is that the same fucking house? No. <laughs> so this so here this is this is actually a good segue. There was several scenes that I listed in my notes when watching this. I was like this is this scene is a full-blown horror movie scene, but he does it not in a horror movie way. So the first one, the kid getting his tongue stuck on the lamp. It's a full-blown torture scene. But <laughs> yeah, it could very well be done in a torture porny kind of way. Honestly, actually, I just watched uh, Thanksgiving and they have something very similar to that in a horror sense. So (laughs) it works. Uh, The other horror movie scene was uh, when the mother calls the other mother because he said that he taught him the F word. Yeah. And she's like, what, what, what? (laughs) The voice on the phone. And then you just hear the woman like beating the shit out of her kid. I was like, this is a horror movie scene. This is the phone call from Black Christmas. Literally, <laughs> but it's played for laughs because it's the 80s. And these kids who are all like, you know, adults watching this movie are like, yeah, my parents hit me too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is from like, you know, the movie takes place in the 40s or 50s or whatever, but it's just funny. That's a good one, actually, because, yeah, that should nowadays would never be played for comedy. Yeah, <laughs> You just can't get away with abusing children in movies for fun anymore. I don't know why. And then uh, the third one was another link to Black Christmas. Um, they do the whole POV scene of him yeah. going into going up to Santa. That's yeah. shot like a horror movie, but it's yep. like it's a kid's anxiety and like it freezing was honestly up. Honestly, really but perfect. Like, yeah. like I, I think that might have been the first moment as a kid where I was like, "That's anxiety, huh? <laughs> That's how it feels watching that scene." Because you're like, "I get it. I would do that too." I'd freak out and I hate like the way that they distort everyone's faces and stuff. It's so scary. And you're just like, it just makes it so relatable. It's the way the way the elf like is just throwing kids down the slide, (laughs) tossing them. It's so fucking funny. He throws his brother and his brothers at the bottom crying. (laughs) It's like he gets Santa's boot to the face. Like, get out of here. It's like, (laughs) Jesus. I mean, I know the Santa in Black Christmas wasn't much better because he was like, ho, 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 fuck. But (laughs) this one, I just feel like is like even worse. (laughs) I, I feel like this was the 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 
the inspiration for the bad Santa movies. They're like, what yeah. if we took that scene and we just mm -hmm. followed that guy? Like... Yeah, right. What's he up to for the rest of the night? Probably getting some hookers, maybe murdering <laughs> them. We don't know. But it was fun watching Black Christmas first and then watching this because I'm like, oh, I see. I see it. I see. Yeah. I see some of the same things. <laughs> Apparently, this movie wasn't even like a big demand from like for. I mean, obviously, the story doesn't seem like mega bucks when you hear it as a pitch, but I'm pretty sure they like agreed to do it so that he would do a horror movie for them for the mm -hmm. studio. So I was like, that's pretty funny. <laughs> that that's like why they made him that they were like, OK, we'll do it. But I don't even know if that even ended up coming out. So. Mm. Who knows? Well, one thing I totally forgot about this movie is that I forgot like the the whole beginning of this movie is Ralphie trying to inception his mom. He's trying to yeah. plant the idea of the red rifle. <laughs> and he's like yep. laying out the, the ad on her bed like she just read. It. <laughs> yeah, it's so cute. I'm like, honestly, it just feels like, again, I was like, this kid has such anxiety. I love it because I feel like I would do the same things like obsess over like, no, that's too obvious. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, like talking about the bear attacks. And he's like, oh, God, <laughs> there's been a lot of bear attacks in the neighborhood. <laughs> so cute. Oh, but yeah. And like we like you mentioned the scene of the the little kid getting dressed and he can't put his arms down. Like there's so many just like super cute scenes. Like mm -hmm. that, a couple of them revolve around the little brother. Like <laughs> I thought the uh, the show me how the little piggy eats. I thought that yeah. scene was adorable. <laughs> <laughs> also, cute. now that I'm thinking about that, pretty sure that's a scene in a horror movie as well. But it's it's a torture scene. <laughs> There's always yeah. I mean, honestly, horror's not far away from any movie and and in life at any moment. Just a few one little small change and it's horrible. Horrible. <laughs> the leg lamp sequence is is just a classic it's so, so funny good. and yeah they turned on the whole neighborhood but i also love the giant box that it came in and yeah i'm like you know this isn't that outrageous even by today's standards because like there's some amazon packages that i've gotten where it's like they've packed three boxes inside this one box yeah and i got just like i don't know something small i got a phone case why is yeah. this in such why a big is, exactly <laughs> yeah i know that's always that's a really great bit it just it still hits because that yeah. shit still fucking happens i'm like this giant thing for that small okay whatever yeah. somebody was fucking high on the assembly line when they put this box together <laughs> also the god the fucking dream sequence when he gets an a plus it's so <laughs> blown out and so it's so long it's so funny. Like, oh, so good. All the fantasy sequences are pretty great. Like even the when he's like defending the family and shit. That's like just all those little kid sequence, like fantasy sequences. They're almost like little cutaway gags and like yeah. Family Guy or something. Yeah, totally. But they're amazing. They're so great. I just really love it. I'm like, I wonder if that's what they got inspired by. Because I really <laughs> enjoy how it works and like just the slight like distortion on things. You're like, okay. I mean, obviously, you know, it's not happening, but like. It's just, it works really well. Yeah. And I mean, like, also similar to, to Black Christmas, like all of the characters are are written so well and there's they're all flushed out. There's no wasted characters in this. Like mm -hmm. the te even like the teacher is probably the smallest character. Like the teacher is totally memorable. The dad, yeah. the dad is just iconic. Like, yeah, he's so when, good. When he goes in the into furnace. the he goes yeah. into the basement. He's just saying things, and, and it's like they had to keep a PG rating. So 
and that's another like that's like one of those adult jokes where it's like we are interpreting everything he's saying as cursing because like they say like he cursed up a storm and all this stuff like, so yeah, he's just saying understand nonsense. it yeah <laughs> it's so good I really enjoyed that too. I think this one's like a, just a great, it's a great Christmas movie, but for some reason, I just feel like it's not as good as like a handful of others. So it's just not always been my favorite, even though it's a good movie. I'll give it that. It's like very funny. It's good. But I'm thinking like for pure, like just rankings, I would put okay. this way lower. Okay, so are you talking about movies around this same time period or just in total? I, I can't talk about the 80s Christmas movies very in-depthly, but I would just say in general, like of the Christmas movies, like I said, I've not seen this for 10 years. It's like in my every 10 years watch. You know okay. what I mean? It's not I, like a, a regular every Christmas season. I, I agree with you. Like there's a lot, like I said, like we were saying, like the last 20, 30 years have put out some really great Christmas movies. Yeah. So like this saying. is this is a fun like flash from the past. <clears throat> I was pleasantly surprised with this with how much I enjoyed it because you know like the main character is a kid, and so I I was trying to remember. I'm like okay, so this is probably like very kid oriented, but it's there's so much there's so much stuff that adults can enjoy, which was really really fun. So like yeah, yeah this, this was really fun. But I agree with you. Like yeah, this isn't in my in my yearly rotation. I need a no. little more violence. I need more, yeah, or I just need I need something. I don't know. This one's funny, but it's not like insanely laugh out loud funny. I don't know. I like if I'm going for that, I want the Grinch or like Elf. You know, those movies always just fucking make me laugh the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Um, no matter how many times I've seen them. So but I do like it. And I feel like maybe if you were a kid that had a toy that you really wanted for Christmas and you never got, like maybe this is like your fucking movie. Like you're like, this is my life. This is what? how it felt. Although he gets it at the end, so like you maybe maybe you eventually get it, but I did I love feel that like in real life you would not get the toy at the end. <laughs> I did love that he got it and then shot himself in the eye. Yeah, immediately. Then <laughs> he's like, I gotta come up with an excuse. He's gonna take it away. <laughs> I so was cute. gonna I was gonna ask you, you growing up, did you have a present that you were like, Oh my god, this is the present that I that I want more than anything in my life? No. And if I did, I don't fucking remember it. I feel okay. like I it was never something like that. If it was, like I can't even remember. I remember I wanted some like digital blue like film recorder thing that you could like make movies on and had a software for your computer. I got that. But like oh my god, you wanted that software? I, that was your yeah. dream. It was like a fucking Nerd. it also came with a camera to record <laughs> movies and it had all these special effects. It was like super basic shit. But yeah, I was a nerd. What of it? <laughs> we do a movie podcast. Obviously, I like movies. True. You are the exclusive, so I'll yeah. give it to you. Yeah, I give me shit. What the fuck did you ask for? <laughs> oh, I had the same thing that every kid my age wanted, a Nintendo 64. Yeah, that's I got that too. My grandparents gave me that, so I didn't even have to ask for it. Like there's that 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 clip that went viral years ago of the kid opening it and just screaming. Yeah. That was me. And the funniest the part is that I was screaming to, to get it. I didn't even play it. My older brothers all played it. I just wanted to watch them play it. Oh, <laughs> like, that's pretty cute. <laughs> no, I just am thinking about it, too. And I'm like, I probably was just too fucking caught up in trying to. Every year I had a new scheme device to try and catch Santa in the <laughs> act. So that was really, I think, where all my effort went. I would ask for random shit. And then I would 
like have my sister and our friend and be like, we're on watch. Okay. You do two hours then you do two hours. We never made it past the first watch. And <laughs> so then it was always like, we'd leave like traps by the fireplace to see if he would like move something or we'd see like shoe prints or whatever. We were crazy. Never caught him, obviously. But I think that's what maybe what I was so distracted by. Enough time. You were you were more more focused on meeting the man. Than... Yeah, I just wanted to get to the fucking. I didn't care what he would bring me. I wanted to talk to him. See, you <laughs> you would be the little girl from Violent Night that I restores Santa's faith in humanity. Me, I'm like, give me my Nintendo 64 yeah. and get out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, I want to talk to Santa. I like Santa. I literally spent the day I found out that I that Santa wasn't real. I spent that entire day at school fucking with like I started a debate in the class about who believed Santa was real because I was like, he's fucking real. <laughs> and all these other kids were like, no, he's not. And this one kid really took a stance. It was like, everyone knows he's fake. And I was like, no, they don't. We took votes. It was this whole thing. We did like a trial in class. Like I shut down <laughs> the whole class that day. We made this huge thing. And I got home and I was telling my dad all about it. And I was like, I did so good. I got so many more people on our side by the end of the day and blah, blah. And then my dad's like, well, you know, Santa's not real, right? And he just fucking destroyed all my dreams right there. <laughs> right after I'd spent the whole fucking day fighting for him. So, yeah, I need a little darkness with my Christmas, I guess. There you go. <laughs> so, wait, your dad ruined Santa for you? or did Yes, your... my dad. Okay. No. I, I don't remember when I learned allegedly that Santa's not real, but uh, I feel like I heard it from a friend. And, so I was probably way too old to learn it. And but I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. You weren't disappointed. <laughs> like, I don't think my parents ever actually like sat me down. Oh. And like, So Santa's not real. So I was probably way too old at thinking <laughs> Santa's real. And then one of my friends said it and I'm like, he sounds pretty confident. So <laughs> I'm gonna take that as a Bible. Yeah. I'm not hilarious. gonna look like a fool right now. Yeah. Wait, what? Well, I didn't get that memo because I made a whole fucking public display of how I really believed in Santa. And I will tell you now, I'm not embarrassed to admit that I was in fifth grade. I was eleven years old and I still believed in Santa. Well, I'm too embarrassed to guess when I learned that Santa was not real. So, well, hey, at imagine, least I can have a hard day. I can imagine you though in front of your class, like I have letters. I was like, I have <laughs> asked him for all these things, and he's got them for me. One year, there was a fucking shoe print in the fucking fireplace dust. <laughs> what do you think that means? <laughs> well, I'm, I was like, I heard him on the roof one year. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just come up with all this crazy shit. Well, I'm glad we had this movie to bring a little classic Christmas cheer into our lives. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Hope you had a very merry time. And now we're heading into this long weekend. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas and happy holidays. This will be our last recent pod. We have one more surprise for you. If we learned anything this year, it's that y'all love our mega cut episodes, even though they're ridiculously long. So our gift for you is next week, we are going to be dropping our Saw rewatch from Saw 1 to Saw 10 or Saw X, whatever we want to call it. Uh, based off how long each of those are, I'm going to guess this is probably like six hours long. So hope that is a good way to wrap up the year for you. 
Uh, but yeah, in the meantime, thank you for listening to the regular exclusive podcast and we'll see you next year. Don't forget to like and subscribe. We out here.